Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 28, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 58, paragraph 1. Today's readers are Lydia S. on the 12 Steps, Carmela G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Sally A., Dion R., and Anita J. Our reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, April 28, 2016, I'm sorry, uh, April 27, 2016, is 8696. And our newcomer greeter today is Hoodie R. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lydia S. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. It's Lydia S. in Texas, compulsive eater in recovery. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. It's a pleasure to do so. But thanks for taking the meeting, Kat. Thank you, uh, Lydia S. And I will now ask Carmela G. to read our 12 traditions. 
Yes, good morning. It's Carmela G. from New York. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting group or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our program always ensuring principles before personalities. This means that OA itself is not anonymous, but its members are. There are no exceptions. While OA may be publicized, we do not break our individual anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and all public communications. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I'll pass, because I don't think the rest, I, I, I was reading off the Internet. Thank you, Kathy. Okay. Thank you, Carmela G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book on page 58, the first paragraph. We're going to read the first two paragraphs and focus our comments on the second. And I will now ask Sally A. to get us started. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning. Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. And I'm on page 58, chapter 5, How It Works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually, men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. So when I read that first sentence, I'm I'm reading the second paragraph, and that's what I'll be speaking on. That's what we'll be focusing our shares on. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. First of all, that reminds me strongly of page 29, which, which also um, brings some clarification to the same, same concept. Uh, in the second paragraph on page 29, it says, Each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. And that's what I believe the crux of the matter is for all of us. That's what the bottom of page 64 talks about, healing the spiritual malady so that the physical and the emotional malady, the mental malady can be healed. And so when it says our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now, I believe what he's saying to us is how we developed our relationship because that really is what it takes. For, for me to get well is for me to conti- continually become unblocked, continually unclog this, this pipeline that I have in, and, and the opportunity that I have to be in right relationship with my higher power. In that second sentence where it says, if you have decided, it to me is really speaking to the third step because the third step is made a decision. So if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And that's where we are heading. We're heading into a reading of the 12 steps, and they're preparing us to move forward. And so I'm reminded that step one, when I took step one, I had to ask myself the question, what are you willing to admit, Sally, that you're powerless? that your life is a mess, well, that wasn't that hard. But truth be told, I'm 
ever in step one, ever looking at my powerlessness and ever admitting that my life is a mess without without that relationship, without that surrendering to my higher power. And step two, what are you willing to believe? And can you humbly ask for the power to believe from somewhere out there? Are you, hum- are you willing to ask for even more power to believe? And finally, step three, made a decision to turn. What are you willing to turn over? Am I willing to say, thy will be done? Am I willing to, to surrender my life? Am I willing to allow a higher power, my God, to, to be in control, trading my plan for my choices for God's will for my life, constantly reminding myself, which to me is the crux, it really is the center of the whole 164 pages, bottom of page 87, where I say finally, I constantly remind myself, I am no longer running the show. That's what it means to me to say, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. And so here we go. We're moving into these action steps. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Who would like to share on the second paragraph, Red? Hello, Christina A. Okay, I heard Hello. This is Raquel. Who came after Charles Larry? H. Charles H. Martha D. Martha D. Sherry S. Sherry S. Melissa C. Melissa C. Did I hear Raquel? Yes. Okay, Raquel, I got you. Anyone Thank else? you. Anyone Simma else? M. I'm sorry, who was that? Simma M. Simma M. Okay, let's start with those. And I'll read off the order. Larry K., Charles H., Martha D., Sherry S., Melissa C., Raquel, and uh, Simma M. Please go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Uh, this is Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, yeah, I uh, boy, I, I really like this this reading uh, this morning. You know, so you know, it's 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 uh, it's laying out for us. And what I'm going to zero in on is it says, if you have decided you want what we have, and are willing to go to any length to get it, then. You're willing, then you are, are ready to take certain steps. And, um, you know, for me, um, the, the, you know, the answers were in the steps, the steps and the actions embedded in the steps. It wasn't coming on the line. It wasn't going to meetings. Sure, those were important tools in which I could learn about, particularly this meeting, I could learn about the details in these paragraphs. But... It was the following the instructions in these steps, and I and that took willingness. And willingness was no one was going to give me willingness. I wasn't going to become motivated into willingness by something that you said necessarily. I had willingness was an inside job. It was a one person deal. So once I became willing to do what you did, I would get the results that you received. 
And, you know, for some of us, certainly for me, it took a good deal of time to get to that point. It didn't need to take the length of time that it did, but it took what it took for me to develop that willingness. And, uh, you know, once I had the willingness to follow these specific instructions precisely in working through the steps, what happened to me? I went from someone who binged my brains out, waking up every morning, wondering, oh, my God, you know, as soon as I see the light of day, ugh, you know, you get that feeling, ugh, I did it again. When, when is this going to change? And it was the same thing over and over again, just as the as is laid out in the doctor's opinion, that cycle that we repeat over and over again. But once I was willing to work these steps and get off outcome and focus in on the process and trust in the process, then, I, then what happened to me is I had a spiritual awakening. And it happened over time. And, and when that spiritual awakening, awakening occurred, my life has changed. My life has changed. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Um, a gentle reminder to everyone, please stay muted until it's your turn to share. Otherwise, we get echoing and all kinds of extraneous noise. Thank you. Charles H., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy K. I'm willing to stay muted until you call my name. Thank you. I try to, I'm willing to take certain steps today. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. And, um, yeah, uh, if you have decided you want what we have, who? Who? What who has? The first, the first set of recovered alcoholics. And, you know, I mean, I live in, in, in New York City where there's so many AA and so many OA meetings. And, you know, I go to a lot of face-to-face meetings. And it's, it's sad to say, it's sad to say that they're not talking about steps as much. They're talking about just abstinence. And that ain't enough. We know what my friend, my little sis Leah said. It's like putting a, a Band-Aid on a fatal wound. I'm willing to go through certain steps because I know ahead of time, right, that if if I if I'm not willing, it's over for me. It's lights out, game over, right? Um, I believe me, I tried easier, softer methods, and it just didn't work. Um, so, you know, y'all think it's because I go through the doctor's opinion with people because, you know, I, I want to feel something. No, I learn from them. I I need the newcomer more than than than, than the seasoned vet, right? Because the newcomer keeps it green for me. You know, um, I've got to come to this conclusion, though, that I'm willing to go to any length. Here we go again. The first three steps is conclusion. And, and conclusion, I'm going to say this till the day I die, and probably up in heaven I'm going to say it too. Conclusion ignites action. So if I'm willing and I got beaten down enough, sorry for, sorry for the buses. If I'm willing and I got beaten down enough, I'm going to go all the way. And you know what? I, I said this to a one of my sisters on an outreach call, I would never say this in a meeting, but I'm going to say this in this meeting because you know how I am. I just, I just run with the mouth. You know, you women, I, I, I'm so grateful for you women because it's a harder time with us men, man. I, I, I know I'm talking right because I talk with a lot of men. They say they're willing. We get to um, page 67, and, you know, I, you know, we go through how it works, and, and the resentment inventory is explained properly. I email them the forms. And some, some, somehow the message, I don't know, somehow the willingness 
and I just keep going on to the next person. It ain't no enemies. It's just it is what it is. If you're not willing, then you ain't going to take certain steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Martha D., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Martha D., a recovered, never cured um, compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. This paragraph really does hit home for me because I had kept coming back to meetings knowing I was at the right place. I'm definitely a compulsive overeater, but I did not have the willingness for quite a while. But as it says here, uh, the stories disclose in a general way what you used to be like, what happened, and what you are like now. My teacher did come, and so I'm a big advocate of the recovered uh, OA members going around and speaking, because when that person came, I don't know, it was a definite miracle. I connected, I was willing, I dropped the food, I started the steps, and I am recovered now uh, almost one year later. It is definitely a miracle. So I am one here today to say, go to the marathons, go to the events in your area, listen to the speakers that are there, because if you're not recovered now or not abstinent, you may find your teacher there that you connect with, and you will become willing to drop your food and begin the steps. It changed my whole life. I am so thankful to Alcoholics Anonymous for this book. I'm so thankful that I was turned on to a vision for you. Um, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Martha D. And Sherry S., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Sherry S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. Um, Let's see. This is a really... um, powerful uh, paragraph for me, the first one and the second one, but since we're sharing on the second one, um, I was blocked from my higher power for 30 years. I've been sober in um, AA for 30 years, and um, I was fighting with the donuts for 30 years, in and out of the rooms of OA. Um, I went through this big book with my sponsor seven years ago, but I was still eating, so I was continuously still blocked not willing, couldn't get honest, and I thought I was one of those people that just wasn't going to get it. Um, I finally did um, surrender in January, this just this past January, and um, I go to any lengths today. I go to any lengths to keep my abstinence. Um, it's, it's so important to me, and the honesty, I have to be rigorously honest every day on a daily basis with my higher power and with my sponsor and with my fellows, I cannot let, um, I, I I just can't walk around in the dark at all. I have to be honest all the time. Um, you know, I suffered, I do suffer with a mental illness, which is with which is addiction. And um, today I'm able to, um, like I said, be honest. I go to any lengths today. Um, I have friends that just can't get it. They've been bouncing around the rooms of OA just like me, trying to get it, trying to get it. You know, a couple of years absence, just the physical part. I have never had the mental and the spiritual part of this program. Um, and, you know, what are you doing different, Sherry? How come you're abstinent now? And why are you so different when you're, you know, um, I am different today. Um, I'm different because I have God in my life. I'm not blocked. Um, and what do I do different? I go to any lengths. I was telling my sponsor yesterday 
there's a lot of things that she has me do, and um, and I have to ask my sponsees to do as well if they want this. Um, and I would do more. If she asked me to do more, I'd do it. I put this first in my my life today, my program. I live 10, 11, and 12 on a basis, and that comes first before anything because if it comes second or third or fourth, then I will be back in the refrigerator. So I'm very grateful um, for this phone line, and um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Sherry S. And Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeating. Oh, I'm sorry, in New York. Um, Are you able to hear me? I am, Melissa. Okay, great. Um, You know, we tell our stories, um, and uh, my story has value. You know, it has the potential to save another. So I don't tell it because um, I want to be told how amazing I am. Um, You know, and I tell it in a general way, what I was like. Um, And and this is how another can possibly identify in. You know, someone can see that um, there's another person who may have done the crazy things that they have done too. And, um, you know, and then I tell what happened, the terrible place this disease led me to, how I was in a state of utter hopelessness and despair, um, that I couldn't stand the food anymore, how it stopped working, you know, and yet I couldn't stop running back to it. And then I finally surrendered and completely gave myself over to the program. Um, You know, I tell what I'm like today that I'm free, you know, and I can demonstrate that freedom. Um, And I still have times where life is difficult, but I'm human, you know, and and the problem, though, even though I'm human and I have problems, the problem has been removed. You know, I tell people that I'm recovered, which is sometimes uncomfortable for me to say that word because I'm not skinny. You know, I've, I guess I've lost a lot of weight, but um, I'm not skinny. And, you know, for me, I always thought recovered must meant skinny. So sometimes when I say that I'm recovered, I have to kind of put aside my ego to say it, but I say it because um, I'm not looking to brag, but because it's true, you know, because this is the truth and it's possible, you know, and if if you want what we have um, and are willing, you know, that's the next thing here. That willing word is crucial. There can be no way I can be helpful to someone. I can share my story all I want, but if they're not willing, um, there's nothing more I can do. You know, that willingness to go to any length to become recovered it's the prerequisite to begin the steps. You know, willingness can't come, um, in, I don't think, in the middle of the steps. You know, you've got you to become willing first, um, and then you can start doing the work. And, and I can tell that um, I was completely willing. I became completely willing because I was certain that I was going to die, that the way that I was living, I couldn't endure it anymore. You know, and so that's why I share my story, because I'm hoping that someone else, says, oh, my God, I can't endure this anymore either. And there's a solution. And there is a solution. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Raquel, please go ahead. Hi. Thank you for very much for the service. And, and hi to all my sweet family there. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. So um, 
this is really a very exciting chapter and very excited to yesterday to have heard all the beautiful sharing. And today, this thing about going to any length, the willingness, I'm so, so grateful for this program. And I'm so grateful to my sponsor from year 87, I believe it was, in Boston, from Medford. God bless her wherever she is. And I called her once from a shopping center, and she said to me, Raquel, if you ate, I'm going to close the phone right now. If you didn't eat, I'll talk to you until my face turns blue and the cows come home from the pasture by themselves. But if you are stealing the food, honey, I can't do anything for you. Why don't you go out and do a little more suffering and come back when you're ready? Well, you guys do the mess. Year 87 till 210. Now I have seven years now. Seven years, four months, and 15 days. And Passover or no Passover, my food is the same. 365 days a year. And I'm happy with it. And the Seder is fine. No, I cannot have matcha. Because if I'll have matcha, I don't know where I'm going to end up. And I, I have a permission from a rabbi. I could not do that. I can't have wine, sweet or, or dry or anything. But to go to any length, you know, the, the, problem, the, the disease had to beat me into it. Nothing else is going to give that willingness. It's a grace of God even when it comes. When, when you are beaten into a pulp. But I'm so grateful that God took it away from me. And now, not only don't I care what anybody thinks about how, how many people were at the Seder or whether I went to somebody else, but that I have such wonderful, wonderful serenity this holiday. And I'm very grateful. But to go to, 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 go to any length, when I talk to people and they, they want, they want, they want, but then... But, you know, I have other things to do. It's like the ambulance is, as though I'm on the road, the ambulances are coming, are shrieking, and the people with the white stretcher, with the white horse and the stretcher, are putting me on the, on the journey. And I say, oh, excuse me, I didn't finish my ironing. You know, I got to go back into the house. You can't. I'm desperately sick. I need this medicine. I need to do this program every single day and get on the line, and be with you people. And because of that, I can thank goodness a little bit, you know, live a peaceful life and help people who are turning to me. And it's worth anything, any big parties that I ever threw to be the hostess for the mostest. Thank you so much for listening, for letting me share. And God bless you all. Good recovery to everybody. I pass. Thank you, Raquel. And Sima M., please go ahead. Good morning. I am Sima M., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New Jersey, formerly from New York. Uh, uh, when I came in to OA, as soon as I heard about OA, I ran because I ran to go to a meeting because I knew, I knew that I was sick. And um, I was so happy to hear that there was a way out. And uh, I was fortunate in that even though there were not a lot of meetings where people were talking about recovery, in my third meeting I, I uh, was at a step meeting and I heard a man speaking. He was from AA. And he spoke and he was so uh, lit up 
with the excitement of the steps and what happens to a person when they go through the steps that I was convinced, I was ready to take certain steps. I was ready to run up the steps. And uh, so I was exposed early on to the steps and to the big book, and I immersed myself in it. And I was uh, did experience periods of recovery, uh, even though we didn't call it that then. But... Uh, I just want to go back to the other paragraph for a minute because I was one who did suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders and I did not realize it. So I recovered to the the point that I was able to. I always grabbed onto the steps and I um, I surrendered to God. Uh, one, one second, Sima. You hear some background noise. Would everybody please make sure you're muted? I one if you're talking. Oh, I'm sorry. There's somebody talking who's unmuted. Okay, um, mute the line and then... Kathy, I will mute the line. Hello? Okay, Simma, please go ahead. Okay. Um, thank you, Leah. Uh, I was, I just am very grateful to say I'm recovered today, and I want people to know that even though there are people that it takes, I first came to OA four years ago, and I hope it doesn't take other people 40 years to finally recover. I would say it was 37 years ago, I came back to OA three years ago, and six months later I heard about a vision for you. And I was just as excited the first time I went on a vision for you because I never heard anybody say they were recovered before. And I felt that same excitement that I felt that night when I heard that man talk about the promises and the ninth step and the program for the first time. So I just want to encourage people to keep coming back because it does work. And uh, even though I didn't stay the whole time, I never gave up. I always, I never believed it was the program that didn't work. I knew there was something wrong with me. And um, all those years, these pages, pages 58 through, through 60, were burned in my mind, no matter if I came to meetings or not. If somebody started the first sentence, I could recite them to you. And they stuck with me, and I uh, always had a relationship with a higher power ever since then. Before I came to program, I didn't know what a higher power was. So I'm very grateful, and I'm very grateful to Vision for you, and this is the first time I'm sharing on the line, so I'm nervous. And thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sima. <clears throat> okay. Or does anyone else want to share on this second paragraph? This is due. Tina S. Okay, I heard Renata. Tina S. Renata. Nessa R. Nessa R. Nessa R. I have Do L, Tina S, Renata G, Nessa R. Anyone else? I'm sorry. Somebody said something E. Who was that? G. Carol G. Thank you. Someone else? Jody E. Jody E. Okay, up there. Um, so we have Do L, Tina S, Renata G, Nessa R, Carol G, and Judy 
or Jody, I'm not sure which, E. Um, Duel, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Reader. Um, grateful to be here. Um, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, what we're like now. And who is our, uh, you know, our stories? Who, who, who are we talking about here? We're talking about the recovered people, you know, the ones that have uh, the first 100 men and women that penned this book, that gave their experiences. Actually, on the back of the book, we have 42 stories um, that tell exactly, precisely how they recovered. You know, what it used to be like in a general way, what it used to be like. You know, what was my experience to be uh, in the disease of compulsive eating? You know, what was my struggles? What were uh, the things that I had to overcome? And then what happened? What, what happened to overcome those struggles? Well, I went through the steps. And how exactly did I go through the steps, you know? And what is life now? Well, like now, it should be the result of the 100 men and women that I have recovered, um, that the problem has been removed, that I don't have a uh, compulsive eating um, thinking, you know, that I don't have the mental obsession, that I am not compulsively thinking about my foods every minute of the day, that I have arrested my physical allergy. And when I eat right and when I, um, you know, follow my food plan, my body um, goes into that stasis where it, it, it wants to go back to a normal weight, you know, and it's called homeostasis. You know, my body's always looking for ways to get back to the norm. And so if I follow the directions that are outlined here, then I should be getting the results because they're not um, fiction. They're actually, you know, a fact. They're, they're actually something that is promised. And then it says, if you decided you want what we have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. So when did I make that decision? Well, at step three. You know, I made a decision to go through the rest of the steps. And, um, and it says, you know, you, when you're ready and uh, then you, when you're willing, then you're ready. You know, so you don't have to wait a long time to get this. Um, you, whenever you're, you're, you're willing, you're ready. And, and that's what it's saying, that any time that I give myself to this program, any time that I give myself to be willing to put down the food and go through the rest of the steps, then I'm ready, you know. Uh, but I have to do my part. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, I, I do it through osmosis, but I have to do my part. And that's willing to take these steps, willing to take the recommendations, follow the directions that are outlined here so that I can get the results. And um, that's my time. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do L. Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. And, you know, and I, too, uh, interpreted our stories as the first hundred in, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and their experience, strength, and hope. And what we used to be like and not it, you know, that for me was a big thing when I first came around the rooms. You know, I was talking about what it was like. So what happens today, you know, I get the opportunity to change, to work in the steps. And what I'm like, you know, it still stays the same sometimes, you know. And, you know, I decide from the experience I hear and, and, and doing the work up to this part of the book, 
you know, up until this part of the book that I was willing to go on with the rest of the steps, you know, and, you know, and I think in a couple more pages and after the 12 steps, it's going to talk about the ABCs and then we're going to be at step three. So we're still at step two, you know, and, and I like that it's given me a glimpse of what's ahead and, you know, and I'm really grateful today that I have that opportunity and it's one day at a time, you know, what am I doing today for my recovery? Ain't what I did yesterday. And it's not what I'm going to do tomorrow. What am I doing right here and right now? And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Renata G., please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Read in New York. And, you know, to be willing to go to any length to get it. I know I just I came to that place of being willing to do anything when I understood that I was going to die in this disease. You know, that I was the real compulsive reader that the doctor's opinion describes. You know, that without entire abstinence and the work of these stats, I would be doomed to a compulsive reader death. You know, slow and, you know, everyday torture and desperation and depression, you know, all the, the bad, all the wonderful gifts that this disease used to, to, to bring to me. And so, you know, that really what, what propelled me to go to any lens. I finally understood that I only had two choices. You know, I would, I would either eat myself to death, you know, just live my life as a zombie and with that mental and physical torture, or I would have to keep the food down and work the steps, no matter what I would have to do. And there were days that I had to call 10 people, you know, and ask for help and say, I want to eat. What should I do? There were days that I had to read nonstop. There were days that I, I listened to special editions, you know, every single minute, every single free minute that I had, you know, I would be in the car driving and listening to speakers share their experience, strength, and hope. I would, you know, listen to Joe and Charlie all the time. Like I had to really bombard my head, my head with program. I could not give space to the disease because, you know, I knew it was my only hope. Did I want to eat when I was going through the steps? Was I miserable? Yes. Did I eat? No, because I knew I was going to die, you know? And so that's what it means to me to go to any length is to really do whatever it takes to continue the work of the steps absently. Because once I pick that, I pick that food up, I'm back in step one. You know, I'm not powerless. And so, you know, and then all the stories throughout the book, not just the ones in the back of the book, but all throughout the book, Bill's story, um, you know, the, the, the stories we've seen more about alcoholism, they all have the same pattern. People put their alcoholic foods, their alcohol down. They work the steps and they recovered, you know, and that has been my experience. As long as I keep on working the steps every day, I remain recovered, growing, you know, spiritually because that, that was missing my entire life. You know, I needed to learn how to cope with life without going to the food, without killing myself with my own hands. And uh, that's what this program has given me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. And Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., recovered in 
Toronto, Canada. So, oops, um, here we're um, being asked to, to make a decision if you decide you want what we have. Um, the past uh, four chapters have been devoted to showing me that I have a problem and it is not food, it is powerlessness, that I am powerless over food because I have an analogy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And that the answer to that powerlessness is power. And I can derive that power from two sources. Um, you know, page 25 says, you know, we had but two alternatives. One, one was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. And then in page 44, I'm told to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis, we are, are not always easy alternatives to face. So here, what I'm being asked to do is that if I need power, um, that power needs to be God. Uh, and that is the decision that I need to make. You know, when Bill wrote the first, um, the first draft of how it works, um, right at the end of the ABCs, he wrote, if you are not convinced of these vital issues, what vital issues? A, that I don't have power. B, that I need the power of God. Then you ought to reread the book to this point or else throw it away. Because unless I decide that I'm choosing God from now on and therefore do the work necessary to unblock myself from God, uh, from God then there's no point in going on. You know, everything has been pointless. If I don't believe that I am powerless, and if I don't believe that I need God in my life to solve my problem, then I don't need to do anything else, and I can just uh, pack up and go home. Um, so if you have decided we, we want what we have, you know, the recovery that comes through choosing God and unblocking myself from Him through the steps, uh, then I go on. Otherwise, um, I need to call it quits. And I am very grateful that I stayed long enough to understand this, to choose God, work the steps, become unblocked, and recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Carol G., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Carol. Oh, good morning, Vision for You. It's Carol G, compulsive overeater recovered for today. Uh, yes, going to any lens. Going to any lens can make me bark. Um, what will they want from me? Fear can just move in on me with that one sentence unless I'm convinced by the previous paragraphs that I'm doomed, that without this solution I can't live. But it kind of reminds me of orange squash or orange juice. It's very hard to drink neat. It has to be diluted with water. It makes it more palatable. And that's what I was doing with the program. I've been diluting this program year after year, after year actually, diluting my abstinence, diluting my need for power, diluting the message. But fear was the issue for me. Um, am I willing? Yes, no, yes, no. And I couldn't move forward. I'm so cautious until I'm provoked. And even when I was cornered by this terrible mind of mine, I was still afraid to go to any lengths because I was afraid. I was just afraid. It was just that physical fear that would just take over. And for me, first of all, what I had to do was I had to 
make fear legal. I had to accept that I am afraid and it's not a shameful thing because I can be desperate and dying and terrified, but fear will immobilize me, stop me taking the work, stop me taking the action, stop me moving forward. It will actually help me run in the opposite direction. And I had to just tell on this because when fight, flight or freeze takes over with me, that's exactly what it does. It takes me over. And I remember once sitting next to an alcoholic in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and he stood up and he was about six foot seven. I was sat there in this big shadow of a man and he said, I'm an alcoholic and I'm afraid of everything. I'm even afraid of getting well. And that man gave me a great freedom. He made me think, if that man, as tall as he is, can admit how afraid he is about going to any lengths, then so can I. And then I began to get a bit closer to taking these certain steps and recovering, to taking it neat rather than diluted. I have to see people on the journey go ahead before me, before I'm convinced. So thank you, everybody, and I pass. Thank you, Carol G., and Jody E., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. This is Jody E., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and bulimic in California. Good morning, everyone. So this second sentence, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. So that's a big if and a very important if. Are you ready? Do you want what we have? Probably you do or you wouldn't be on the line. You probably want it very much as I did from my very first meeting. The question is, are you willing to go to any length to get it? If you're not willing then maybe you need to do more research and uh, play with the food longer. But when we become really desperate, really tired of being sick and fired, then we do become willing. From my very first meeting, I knew I wanted what you had, even though not many of you were recovered. But a couple of you were. And I also went to open AA meetings. And in those meetings, I definitely saw recovery. And it was inspiring. And I wanted what those recovered alcoholics had. I wanted what you compulsive overeaters had that were recovered. And it took me a long time also to uh, get and stay abstinent for any length of time. And Uh, even though I did work the steps to the best of my ability from the beginning. But we often hear in the rooms, it's like the peeling of an onion. We aren't always um, able to see what we need to see about ourselves right away. And we're not always aware of what it takes to stay recovered. It takes a lot. As was said previously, sometimes it takes 10 calls a day. Sometimes it takes more than other days. Am I really willing to turn my will and my life over to the care of God? Am I willing to give up my will 
and pray for the knowledge of God's will. It's a tall order. I'm grateful that I'm willing today to to go to any length and that I am ready to take these steps on a daily basis. If you're not yet willing, pray for the willingness and it will come. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody E. We have time for one more three-minute share. Who would like to share? Penny C. Go ahead, please. Penny C. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll try to make it short to be, this is Penny C., recovered compulsive reader living near Boston. Um, when, when I first read this, I can remember, you know, years and years ago, and what we were like and, and what happened and what we're like now, uh, I wondered how did I know what, what I was like. I used to say when I first started qualifying at meetings, I used to say, I don't know what I was like. You'd have to ask my friends and family. But now I, I do know because I'm reminded every single day at the way my behavior is different. I say so often, wow, before I started studying and practicing the 12 steps and before I had a spiritual experience, I wouldn't have done this. I, would have, I wouldn't have known enough to just be quiet. I wouldn't have known enough to respond in a, in a loving way instead of arguing or trying to make my point. And so that's that's how I know, and other people tell me too, and I'm so grateful. And and so what happened, I studied and practiced the steps, and I had a spiritual experience. That's it in a nutshell. And what am I like now? Um, I hope and I pray that that my higher power will direct me so that I'll be like he wants me to be and and not use my own will. Um, and I do say many times each day, thy will be done, not mine. And thank you very much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Penny C. Um, I think we'll now bring the meeting to a close. Thank you, everyone, who has shared today. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Anita J., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you very much, Kathy, for your service and all the wonderful shares today. Uh, This is Anita J., Recovered Out West of Boston. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.